Welcome to the Fringe Element Podcast here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram, Aaron underscore Dugan. We have a somewhat normal episode of a podcast this week after spending basically every waking second in Atlanta last week, Aaron. And Not no- we. <laughs> right. Sorry. Uh, we as like the collective show, you know, like we were all in Atlanta together. Just um, <laughs> but but mostly just me and my liver um, mm. and had a, had a great time, gained a ton of insight. We're going to talk about a lot of that insight on the show today. We'll get into the media poll because we didn't actually get a chance to talk about that last week on the show. Um, we'll dive into all the Tennessee notice of allegations and what it means or what it doesn't mean and why some media members are overreacting and why the fan base is over always overreacting. Vol Twitter versus the national media. It's a pastime <laughs> and a tradition unlike any other. Uh, so we'll get to that. And then Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, had some thoughts about expansion. So we'll get into that. But I had a lot of I had a lot of like behind the scenes background information that I think I gained last week that I wasn't putting on the pot. And I wanted to save it for you, Aaron, for this episode, for this episode. Uh, now, this is where I normally would say. Fringe element, Aaron Dugan, is brought to you by. And I would say Jasper's no- normally. Okay. And we still love Jasper's. We're still friends with Jasper's. They still work with us. So we still love them. But. SEC Media Day coverage was brought to you by our new sponsor, J.E. Dunn, which, Aaron, I don't know if you know this, they are a top 100 healthiest workplace in America. They were voted 2022 best place to work. They have industry-leading benefits, industry-low turnover. It is an, it's an amazing concept, Aaron, if you just give a shit about your employees, if you just care about them and you do right by them, it's amazing how productive and efficient and happy they will be. And they will stick with you and be loyal to you. JEDunn.com if you want to work there. $5 billion in annual revenue. Yeah, it 20... seems to be paying off, which is what I was going to say. <laughs> they have, they're doing fine. Now, look, if you need a $50 million building, sure, call J.E. Dunn. I'm sure all of you listening could use one of those. But it's more about <laughs> if you need a change in career, you want to be fulfilled, and you want to work at a killer place. True story, their offices in Nashville have two big green eggs. They have a record player. I feel like they have a lot of stuff. And the first thing you name every time is the big green eggs. <laughs> they literally have like high technology, like insane offices. And Graydon's like, there's a grill. <laughs> there's two green eggs. There's video games. There's record players. There's lounges in the office. All of this overlooking the Nashville skyline downtown right there on first avenue so levin it turns into levin and pike right there they they are an exceptional collection of people and they care about their people and therefore they are efficient and that's how they make five billion dollars every year so if you're looking to change your career go check them out jdunn.com you'll be like happy and fulfilled in no time it's pretty it's a pretty cool company man i promise you guys go check them out so jay dunn all right aaron this is your turn you saw all the stuff we had tons of youtube content last week on the show lots of interviews with people lots of players I had a chance to talk to a lot of people about almost every team in the SEC. So if you missed any of that stuff, please go check it out on the YouTube page. Uh, Obviously, rate, review, subscribe, turn on all the notifications, like the products, share the products. We really appreciate all of that. Um, You and I have not had a chance to talk about this event yet, though. Nope. So so I want to give you the floor for you to ask questions. What you saw from Nashville last week. What do you want to know, Aaron Dugan? Okay, so where are we starting? Are we starting... Just with my general questions, because I queued up a bunch of superlatives and I'm going to make you. Oh, I want to hear that. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. You want to start there? Yeah. Okay. 
So I have some superlatives that you have to pick who gets it. And okay. then I have some awards that I gave to certain people, but instead of telling you the people and the award, I'm just going to tell you what the award is. And you have to try okay. to tell me what coach or player gets it. So it's just sort of like the SEC media day version of the Oscars where like they put some of the awards on TV, but not all of the awards get on TV. They mm -hmm. sort of just like flash a couple of them and they're like, Oh yeah, this person won six Oscars. And they're like, they never were on screen the whole time. Yeah. Like the sound guys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the video there, there's the a Hollywood hierarchy, obviously <laughs> several kinds of those. Um, so, okay, let's start there. So who would be the most likely person? I'm not saying anyone did, but if someone who'd be most likely to show up late. All right. So uh, first of all, I do not have access to any of your questions. I did not know. No, any he's of the not seen. He's not seen them. And I just wrote two more down, like as we were sitting here. So <laughs> tremendous. You definitely have not seen them. No, I have not seen any of this. Most likely to show up late, like as a coach. Um, man, that is a really tough question right away. Like Lane Kiffin to me would be most likely to show up late. <laughs> Ironically, I think he was very early on, on Monday uh, and actually was in the lobby with him. Nice shoes, Lane. Um, I, I think Hypel and the Vols had like a plane problem that actually they showed up late. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but wow. I don't think that's his fault at, at all. Uh, but this is the kind of stuff you're here for is to hear this kind, this kind of content. Um, Jimbo Fisher, I could see. Um, I kind of see, I, I kind of see uh, Mike Leach. Like, I mean, he's rolling in. He's, he's not go he's goofy. Yeah. really dressed for the occasion. <laughs> he's just like, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's, that's fair. You go on lane? I mean, personality-wise, yes, I'd go lane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So these, there's two. They're opposites next. Most likely to, like, shake hands and kiss babies coming in the front door, like, smoozing. And then then you have to give me most likely to, like, take the hidden way in the back door so you don't have to talk to anyone. Okay. Number number one, not even close. Easy with a bullet, Shane Beamer. Oh, yeah. Not even close. Not even sense. close. Shane Beamer, like, roll – like, that dude – I mean, he was TikToking his way through the lobby, like the whole way, like all <laughs> the way into the just cartwheels and hip hop and everything. Like Shane Beamer, easy answer for number one. And number two, like who's like, I mean, Nick, it's hard to argue against Nick Saban or Kirby mm -hmm. Smart because they are so big and now so like sought after. And in particular, because it was Georgia and not in Alabama, it was in Atlanta. Georgia Day was by far the most packed. Yeah. Um, the whole entire, I said this on the pod last week, the whole entire event was corporate and stale compared to Birmingham. I actually enjoy it better in Atlanta. However, though, cause I like, you know, I like the food in both towns, but, um, it, Kirby's just a little bit more affable and sort of approachable Whereas Saban, you know, it's like the number of rings you get, the less approachable you are. <laughs> and so like Saban, you don't see him in the hallways. You don't see him walking around. Like I saw almost every coach. I got in an elevator with Brian Harson and Greg Sankey one time. Like you just, they they, they kind of like mill about among us, us regular folk, uh, except for Saban. Like you, I'm not even sure Saban, like the car might not have been turned off. <laughs> yeah, like, no, he's he's ready to. He has an escape plan. Yeah, so I think that's I think that's pretty. That would be that would be my two answers there. Good question. I like this. This is fun. Who's Continue. your best best dressed player and best dressed coach? Uh, best dressed player was it for for my money. Now I did not see the Kentucky players. I missed a couple of players because we were, you know, working. Um, I missed the Kentucky players. 
and I missed the Mississippi State players. So I think with apologies to them. Um, so I didn't see them. And the Vandy players. I missed those three. Oh, well. Yeah. Well, it was Saban Day. Sorry. Um, so Derek Hall, Auburn defensive line, just the whole thing was on point, man. The whole thing was great. He And, and it was like subtle call outs to Auburn, but it wasn't overt, but it just looked high level. It looked like like you see the SEC network folks walking around and you hang out with them in the bar later in the evening. And like, there's some of them that just dress like TV people, you know, mm-hmm. and even in like their regular life. Yep. And Derek Hall looked like a TV. Like he looked like he could go on TV. Like really? it was, it was just next. It was just another level up from like even the good, the well-dressed folks. I give it to Derek Hall. He had like a little, there was a little bit of orange in the tie, just a subtle, like kind of bronzish orange in the tie. The blue jacket was real nice, had a pattern on it, had the, the pin and the lapel going. Derek Hall looked uh, spot on, like a TV heard, TV executive. I heard the Vandy guys brought it. I looked up their outfits after, but I believe it. Ventro Miller was probably like the most outlandish, like crazy mm-hmm. pants, had the shades going, uh, linebacker for Florida. He looked pretty good too. But again, this is where I am a 40 year old white father you cannot really use me as a gauge of what is hip or trendy or cool so you should not with all apologies to all of you great players Derek call sorry man you look great um most likely to remember um media members names mm. that's a good question like from a coach standpoint or a player you mean um either i think players are harder because they just don't have the same yeah they got a time with y'all they got a lot of stuff like around them. Um, mm. uh, this this kind of speaks to what I always say about this is that the players are the best part of this by, by far, not even close. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cedric Van Pran, the offensive lineman for Georgia, exceptional, like speaker, thoughtful, eye contact, the whole deal, like just the whole thing, like just incredibly impressive. Um, and again, all these guys are kind of like this, so I'm splitting hairs here. But I would mm-hmm. go Cedric Van Pran, offensive lineman, Georgia, that if you sat down and you like had a long conversation with them, he would be like, he would, he would remember you the whole time. Now I will say I, would, I might put BJ Ojolari in that conversation as well. LSU defensive lineman who was like giving the media advice on how to be better at media. No. <laughs> yes. It was so good. Explain what that like, it was so good. What did that so, sound like? Somebody asked about like, and like a, like, what, do you have any advice for like young reporters or something like that? It was pretty, I mean, it's a fairly decent question. And he said, he sort of said like, look, you know, the, the young reporters on campuses have opportunities that other people don't, which is you're around us all the time. You're, you're, you live around us. You go to class with us, like take yeah. the time to get to know us, spend some time with us. And then once we trust you and you trust us, we, we know there's a relationship there, build that relationship. And that will allow you to, to create more accurate and better content. And like, totally. he, that's, I'm not quoting him there, but that's almost verbatim what he said. I mean, that's and true. <laughs> it's completely true. And frankly, there are not enough CEOs of media companies that know that shit. And, <laughs> and it's good advice for young reporters and it's good advice for CEOs of media companies. And yeah. BJ Ojolari is a 21 year old outside linebacker. He's like, yeah, this is how you should do media better. <laughs> um, no, that's a great answer. And Nick Saban said it too. Nick Saban was like, I'm sure it was hip. Maybe Nick Saban's delivery was different. His was like, I always think fair and honest works <laughs> like, and he's right. That's what works. The problem yeah. is the problem is that loud and wrong is what pays. And that's the problem, which is why oh. you listen to this show. 
Right. Hey. Um. Oh, was that a compliment or a diss? No, it's a compliment to us. We are it's not been a loud long and, day. <laughs> we are not loud and wrong. We are loud. Fair, we are fair and honest. Yeah, and, and loud, but not wrong. But not really that loud. We don't. And I guess not com- when you're not when you're not being compared we, to like all sports radio guys. We're really not that loud. Compared to Stephen A. Smith and Shannon Sharp, we are not yelling at each other ever. God, it, never, yeah, it doesn't that's happen. True. The whole entire point of of this company is to have a conversation. (laughs) Who do you think is the most improved? Is there a most improved coach from media days last year or the last time you were there till now? I think Kirby gets better every day, every year. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly helps the ring. The ring helps Um, the precious. Um, I think, I think Josh Heupel was far more confident and far more relaxed and far more not prepared isn't the right word because he's kind of a, a you know he's coach dad um i just think he's a lot more confident and a lot more pop like he he understands more about his team now he knows what he has now in certain players and positions they had a decent season there's more pressure now with more expectation but i think he was actually more relaxed with it you know mark stoops hasn't changed at all jimbo fisher hasn't changed at all lane kiffin is uncomfortable all the time uh clark clark lee is not getting better at public speaking um shane beamer is just a like i said he's just a superstar in terms of like how to sell his program uh mike leach is never going to change anything ever <laughs> it is what it is yep um yeah and then saban is what he is um sam pittman is still the same old guy like that we that you saw on our episode a couple weeks ago he's like hadn't changed at all since like the day he was born basically yep um so i i don't know there's i would say hypo probably and then with a little hat tip to kirby smart kirby. Being, okay being a little bit more affable and a little bit more relaxed and i think winning a national championship and beating nick saban will do that to anybody so. yep okay so i just have a couple of quick well a couple of awards there's a couple more superlatives but we'll kind of go through these because i know it's taking a while um no, this is good most likely to throw himself a bone at a press conference. You mean like or at, or at media days, I guess. Or just you but, just mean like um like to pat himself on the back? And someone really did do this. So these are kind of questions, but Oh. Okay, now I'm now I'm now I'm stumped. Um It was it was Tell me subtle. what you're talking about. You want me to tell you? Yeah, tell me what you're talking about. Um it was Jimbo Fisher some saying that um I guess one of the reporters was struggling to transcribe quickly enough. And Jimbo said, yeah, um, yeah. I give you information in the short amount of time. I'm a report. I'm a reporter's dream. Yeah. So that was Joe Goodman, friend of the pod, uh, Joe Goodman, who's from ale.com. And he was like, uh, coach, um, as someone who transcribes interviews for a living, can you slow down please? <laughs> and he was like, why? What are you talking about? I'm, I'll give you all the information you ever need as quick as possible. That's all you should ever need. I get you in and out and I give you lots of information in a short amount of time. And how can you complain about me? That but it's like impossible. He's right. It's impossible to transcribe Jimbo Fisher interviews. It's just impossible. Like He's, the guy talks way too fast. It's not, it's ridiculous. Most likely to criticize a question, but then proceed to answer it anyway. This also happened. Um, I mean, they probably happened more. Criticize the question. So I was in the main room again. I missed I missed some of the coaches, but I was in the main room for most of them. So criticize. This is a the... Saban moment. Okay. Which criticize... he he often does criticize media questions. So this yeah. Is... Well, there there was there was another time, and now I'm failing to remember who it was. But some, so it was similar to Saban, where a guy asked a question, 
And, and he was like, well, that's not really a thing. Can you clarify? And then proceeded to answer the follow-up. But, but what did Saban say? Give me, give me this, because I was in there for the whole thing. He just said that um, when he was asked about SEC expansion, he said, you know, you guys know I don't like, or you guys know I won't answer hypothetical questions, but then yeah. gave a 315-word response after <laughs> that you, about SEC expansion. Somebody else did. <laughs> I watched it, and I was like, he definitely that's answered that, and I looked awesome. it up, and someone counted. That yeah. is tremendous. No, that's <laughs> I remember that exactly. He's like, I, I, he was, I think it was Scott Rabelais maybe that asked that, and he was like, I don't, you know I don't answer hypotheticals, uh, and then, to your point. He just, answered the hypothetical. Well, yeah. he didn't necessarily. Not really, but. He kind of he what he did is he had his stump speech ready to go, yeah. For for expand it was like about expansion, right? And yeah, and he had his sort of like prepared remarks about expansion, things that he had clearly thought through, ready to go. With I don't think this is good for the game, blah 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 blah. And um, Harson did this sort of to some degree as well, where he came out of the gate the before even doing anything. <laughs> he just basically told all of us, he's like, let's address the gorilla in the room here. You're all going to ask about it. So I don't want to be asked about it again. And it was all about the, you know, the investigation internally into his program, blah, 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 all this stuff where he didn't get, you know, he's trying to get fired or whatever. And Kirby smart did this too, where he started his whole thing. And he's like, look, y'all are going to ask me 50 times about complacency. So I'm gonna go ahead. You can ask me all the time you want, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you, None of like all my guys that won championships are off in the NFL now. And so we haven't won anything and blah, blah, you know, like he did this whole deal. So I, I, I love analyzing the way these guys talk. It's, it's my favorite. I, I like that you pick up the things that you pick up on. What about the, any attention is good attention award. Shane, someone Shane, who does Shane Beamer. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's true too, but someone that also can bask in the negative attention and finds it to be, this is easy. Oh, Lane. You mean Lane? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This came yeah. up. We, this came up when he was joking about, you know, the, the whole thing at Neyland with the. Yeah. I think, I think actually, everything. I think, I think Hypo was asked like something about like, I haven't gotten, I didn't get a chance to sign any mustard bottles or whatever <laughs> or something like that. And it was but one of those, so there's so many bad questions. Right. That sometimes you just go, why did that question get asked? I don't, I don't understand. Like, and it was all about, I mean, Lane was just, his takeaway was like, it was a great competitive atmosphere. It's as good as sports get. It was electric. Like, it was like, you know, Tennessee got fined a quarter of a million dollars, but Lane's like loving every second of it. So <laughs> not surprising. No, that's, um, yeah, that's absolutely Lane. I also thought it was funny, but like least likely FIFA fan. We put Josh Heupel or I did. Sean actually, my brother actually helped me think of this one because I was coming up with as many creative ideas as I could. And he he's a Tennessee, he went to Tennessee. So he said that, he was talking about the fake cramps. Um, oh yeah, Hypel had a Hypel talking about yeah. let's how do we shorten games? And he said let's start with fake cramps. So Sean's like, you would not be a FIFA fan. That that <laughs> that's about that's a really that I like connecting those two dots. Uh -huh. uh, the fake cramp things is fascinating because like it's such a good cater to your base comment because like we it's almost impossible to prove or penalize fake fake injuries. It's almost yeah. impossible. Ironically, of course, there's a there's video footage of Josh Heupel pointing to the ground for one of his players to go down during that game. Like during the Ole Miss game, he's telling one of his players to do the same thing. Again, you cannot legislate it. They've already said they're not going to legislate it. So it's you can't. It's, it is such a like, let's rile up the base comment. <laughs> yeah, 100 percent. It is a politician's move all the way. Like just have that one in your back pocket ready to go and just say like, yeah, I wish we could legislate that out. And like all the Vols fans will be like, whoa, yeah, that's great. And like, <laughs> he knows there's nothing they can do. But it's like, 
It's like everything Steve Spurrier ever said. Yep, that, that's not a bad comparison. Not yeah. a bad comparison. That's that's basically it. All right. All right. It's fun. I like that. I like that. Uh, you have very keen observational skills when it comes to coaches and people doing press conferences, so I appreciate your 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 vision. Thank uh, you, Braden. And, and your ear for all of this stuff. Um, all right. How about most overhyped and underhyped team there? And this will get us into... The conversation about the actual media results, which were, which of course Alabama was picked to win the whole thing, um, and we'll get into your ballot and my ballot and what we would vote for. Um, but I, I do the, the most, the two teams that I felt most at odds with throughout the course of the week. Okay. And what happens is you spend time talking to people, you're talking to coaches, you're talking to players, you're talking to lots of media folk. You're, you know, you're drinking whiskey at night and arguing about schedules and mm-hmm. all kinds of other stuff, and. One of the things I would say I am most at odds with was Ole Miss and South Carolina. Those are the two that were overhyped or over-talked about, or I don't know if it's because of Lane and because of Shane and their personalities, Spencer mm-hmm. Rattler. Like we spent, it felt like we spent all week talking about Spencer Rattler. And I, he's interesting, but he's not that interesting. Yeah. And I don't think South Carolina is that good. Like I bought into the hype a little bit. Now I'll go one or two wins more. Maybe instead of four and eight, I might go five or six wins, but people were talking like eight, nine wins for South Carolina. I'm like, I don't understand that. Yeah. And kind of the same with Ole Miss. It's like everyone's Ole Miss, Ole Miss, Jackson Dart, Jackson Dart, Brandon, Brandon Marcello on 24 seven sports on our podcast. Go check it out on the YouTubes. Um, he basically said, I think Luke Altmaier is going to be the starting quarterback. And I don't see anybody on that team. That like to me, I again, I, we can get into our ballots here. I've got him six in the West. They were picked fourth, and everybody's talking about how good Ole Miss is going to be. And I'm like, I don't, I don't see it. So to me, South Carolina and Ole Miss were the two teams that everyone was talking about being very good. And for some reason, that doesn't that doesn't land on me for some reason. I agree with you on the Ole Miss on the Ole Miss thing. I mean, I know that LSU is a little bit of a wild card, so it's. I mean, I understand why that could have been, you know a debate when someone's voting, but Ole Miss, I was trying to look it up as you were talking about how many guys they lost, but it was, it was, I mean, it was quite a few, wasn't it? It's all of their big, big time <laughs> players. Yes, Like everyone. <laughs> it's all the big time players. Are, so that's, are, are gone. that's my thing I think is, you know, I mean, you, you're, you're definitely behind. I mean, you, you're losing a lot of senior upperclassmen leadership, which is super important. You're losing guys on the line on both sides. Um, I, I understand why LSU is still a question mark, but I also thought that. Now, I didn't get to hear all the same stuff. Like when you're talking about South Carolina, I didn't get to hear all the conversations. I mean, as many as you did, at least, about Spencer Rattler when you're saying that you're in there all week and that's you feel like that's all y'all were talking about. I was also surprised that just truly how much of a jump there was between – I know I know Missouri's not – doesn't look great, but there's a, I mean, there's a huge voting jump yeah. between South Carolina and Missouri, like 383 to like 660. All right. So let's, let's lay out all the media results in case somebody missed it. Okay. So of course, Alabama voted number one, 158 first place votes to win the championship over Georgia, 18 first place votes. Uh, of course, this was interesting. South Carolina, three first place votes for the whole entire SEC championship. Texas A&M won first place vote. Okay. I wouldn't do it, but I get it. Uh, and then Vanderbilt won first place vote. Um, 
which of course is uh, somebody being cheeky at some point, um, either a Vanderbilt person or not. I, I, there is, fa- I, I have a buddy. I'm not going to use his name, but this was like, I don't know, six, seven years ago in Hoover and Arkansas was real bad. They were picked like seventh in the West and he voted him number one to win the entire SEC championship. And like, we spent the entire week trying to figure out who it was. Like I knew who it was the entire time. And again, I'm not going to sell this guy out, but he's just a big Arkansas Razorbacks fan. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to pick him to win the whole thing. And I'm like, can you take the media thing more seriously, please? Can you do, if you're going <laughs> to, can we do nope. it? Nope. He just wants to do what he wants. I don't know who it is either, but. So you, oh, it wasn't, you don't know who it was for Vanderbilt. Can you do some digging? Do oh, some, no, for Van. Oh, for Vandy. I was yeah, just talking about some, your guy. No, do some digging. Do I some could bet. Digging. I bet I could figure it out. <laughs> I got I'm a few. I, I got a few ideas. Add it to um, my to-do list. Georgia in the East, 172 first place votes. Uh, Kentucky with four first place votes. Tennessee third with one first place vote. And basically, Tennessee and Kentucky were dead even amongst the media votes, which means half the media picked Kentucky second and half the media picked Tennessee second, which I find to be probably the most interesting debate of the entire week. Florida clear number four, South Carolina fifth, Missouri sixth, Vanderbilt seven. The Kentucky-Tennessee debate with Florida and South Carolina mixed in, as as you heard us with Andy Staples last week on the show, to me, as good as the West debate is, the East debate is fascinating to me. And the media was split essentially right down the middle on Kentucky and Tennessee on who should be second in the in the East. Where do you fall, Aaron Dugan, right now in at the end of July before a single practice has happened, Kentucky or Tennessee? Who do you like better? I got to go Kentucky just because there's more proof and it's been – We've seen it over a longer period of time. But um, I do think that Tennessee's like quarterback situation, what they've been able to do on offense, is definitely going to help. So I got to go Kentucky, though. What'd you do? Uh, I had Kentucky at two. What okay. would the, what would the, and I, I explained a lot of it on last week's pods as well. So go check it out. If, what would the rest of your ballot look like in the East? It, it would look like what the, the media ballot was. I, I don't know how to put it in a different order. <laughs> Georgia, Georgia, Kentucky. I mean, I I do, but I wouldn't. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> I mean, it's you, Kentucky and Tennessee. Are, there's clearly more proof that, or you know, the trajectory looks better for them than Florida. I don't think that's going to stay there for long. I could see Florida being right up in the same conversation as early as I don't know. Who knows? It could be this season, but next year for sure. And then you got South Carolina, Missouri, and Vanderbilt. I was just a little bit surprised about how much there was a jump like Florida, South Carolina was much closer to Florida on the, the point scale or what voting or whatever this was than it was to Missouri like by a landslide so I was a little yeah. bit surprised that they didn't fall slightly lower but not because I don't think they're going to do great things just because I don't really know what information people are going off of to give them eight or nine wins when they're predicting yeah and, like and I like I didn't change where I thought they would be located in the finish but I I've sort of they've gained some ground in my head, even though I'm not moving them up from fifth place. Like I think, mm-hmm. okay, fine. All right. I'll buy into the, the whole Shane Beamer thing. What he's selling Spencer Rattler. Like I'll buy into it here, but I'm still not going like eight or nine wins. I'm still going six and six. I just thought you were like four and eight or, or, or five and seven before. So I've given them a win, let's say plus one. Yep. But that's still pretty much ahead of Missouri and pretty much behind Florida. In my I'll- opinion. I'll drink the Kool-Aid like you're saying. Like I think it's going to work. I think they have enough of an emphasis on the humans in the program, and those guys love Shane Beamer, and they're d- doing a lot of things with transparency, and it seems to be working. But it doesn't mean that they're going to you know, have a better record than Florida and certainly not Tennessee or Kentucky at this point. Like like s- tiny sips of the Kool-Aid. Like pinkies For up, sure. pinkies up, tiny sips of the Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. No, we're not chugging. We're not butt-chugging. A Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid butt martini. Chugging. Yeah, we're not <laughs> yes. butt-chugging. 
Yeah, tiny sips, tiny sips of, of exactly. the South Carolina Kool-Aid. I, I think Anthony Richardson could have a monstrous season. And if he has a monstrous season, then there is no way that South Carolina is better than Florida. Now, I will say, I what I've kind of come around on with South Carolina is I think they are going to piss some people off. Meaning, like, they host For Tennessee sure. late in the year. They, like, they're going to do something to somebody that we don't expect, and we're all going to be like, hmm, told you about that. We should have mm-hmm. seen that one coming. Yep. Um, otherwise, it's still self-explanatory to me the kentucky tennessee debate is fascinating if they if tennessee i think tennessee's eight and four i think kentucky could be eight and four if tennessee loses to pittsburgh but beats kentucky because that's a non-con and then a conference game right they are probably going to finish second if they beat pittsburgh and lose to kentucky so same exact record they probably finish third in the division and i want to know from yes i want to know from tennessee fans if you are eight and four and competitive in most games other than Bama and Georgia, but you finish third, which is still progress with a top 10 or 15 recruiting class, how do you feel? And my buddies like don't know how to answer that right now. They're all like, I just am so excited for the year. Like, I think we're going to be competitive in every game. Like, they're just sort of like happy that they're relevant. <laughs> Give them an inch, take a mile. I, I know. Well, I mean, no, I think they're, I think they're like last year, they're kind of cautious. Like, they're kind of, I don't know if they've matured, but maybe. I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, I think it just depends on the di- disappointment's going to come, like depending on where in the year they have trouble, which we know two of those pickups yep. for them on the schedule. Yep. But just if they get super, super spoiled, there's nothing like I, I can't remember when. What week do they first play Alabama or Georgia? Like, when does one of those games come in? Do well, you know? Alabama would be the third October, th- third Saturday third, in October, third Saturday in October. Come on, I didn't now. grow up um, going. And then, and then the Georgia game is right after the Florida game in a- in Athens, which is when it would be right after the cocktail party. So late late October. I mean, I think Georgia's schedule is a joke up until outside of the Oregon game. It's kind of a joke up until the Florida game, which I think again is like the week before Halloween, maybe. Yeah. So um, again, I don't have it in front of me, but that's that's basically where it is. It's um, it's easy to start getting like kind of spoiled when you have momentum. So when you start winning a bunch of games at the beginning of the season, I think Tennessee fans are going to see – they're cautious right now, but I think we're going to see at least, yeah, yeah. you know, a lot of hope. We won't call it, like, uh, expectations, but, like, hope. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know. Frankly, yes, that's totally fine. And I think Florida, for example, is going to start the season with a very difficult schedule, lose a couple of games they're going to feel real bad about, and then by the end of the year they're going to look a lot better. I think that's what's going to happen with Florida. Uh, all right. Um, our SEC official media predictions here from Aaron Dugan, Braden Gall, J.E. Dunn, our title sponsor. Check him out, jedunn.com. Go go check out the website if you want to go work for one of the best employee-based companies in the world, nay, the universe. Uh, Alabama first in the West, 177 first-place votes. Texas A&M three first-place votes. Uh, Arkansas finished third with one first-place vote. Okay. Woo pig. Ole Miss four, LSU five, Mississippi State six, Auburn seven. So my Eastern ballot was identical to the media ballot. How do you feel about the West? What you got? It's still tough. I mean, the only things that I even consider, I still have one, two, three in the same order. I still go Alabama, A&M, Arkansas. But I really, I debated a lot with flip-flopping from what they have. At some points, I wanted to go LSU, then Ole Miss. At some points, I wanted to go Auburn over Mississippi State, but it was only Ooh. those, only those two in their own spots, and not necessarily because I think Auburn is more talented than Mississippi State. It's just because I still have question marks 
big time question marks around both of those in terms of what they're going to look like. And there's some games on the schedule that it's it's hard to figure out which way they would fall. But that was only it. I would either go I could I thought about switching Ole Miss and LSU, which I ended up doing. So I went Arkansas, LSU, Ole Miss, and then it looks the same. Mississippi okay. State, Auburn. Okay. Uh, I have Bama one. I'm going to ask you about why you kind of like Auburn, which I have been strangely making the case for frequently now on the show for some reason. On which um, show? All of them. All of the shows. On, really? on Yeah, on our show. Remember we had that whole conversation again? Go back and check it out with Shane Beamer. We did second-year coaches, and we looked at all four second-year coaches. Oh, you did do that. And we made the case for why Auburn could be much better than people think. And it's always when they're picked last that they go on to win the national championship. <laughs> Love or, two of, or, or two of them. Um, I have Bama and M Arkansas as well. I've got Mississippi State four. Mm-hmm. I am all in on Hale State. Give me the bull puppies. 17 returning starters more than anybody else in the country. Will Rogers, Mike Leach, third year. Zach Arnett, defensive coordinator. I love this Mississippi State team. I think they're one of the most complete teams in the league. They have one of the nastiest schedules in America, and uh, that is the problem with Mississippi State. That, otherwise, it's so brutal. Otherwise, I'd pick them third, Aaron. Like I'm looking for reasons I, to, to pick them third. Their schedule had a lot to do with yep. their placement. You can't look yeah. at their schedule and say that that wouldn't. I mean, it's it's pretty brutal. It's they got Georgia and crossover. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, also, also a reason why I kind of like Kentucky over Tennessee. Kentucky's crossover is Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Tennessee's crossover is uh, at LSU and Alabama. So yeah, just uh, for a reason there. I've got LSU at five, so I've got them there. I've got Ole Miss at six, mm-hmm. and then Auburn at seven. Uh, LSU, I have no clue. No clue. I think they're better than people think, but honestly, no clue <laughs> about LSU. I think LSU. they're going to be better than people think at certain things. I just don't know if it's all going to add up to be enough to be holistically better than other teams on this side of the division. That is a conference. That is a very good way to say it. Um I I actually toyed with Ole Miss at seven and Auburn at six. I actually toyed Did with you? that. And I just again I just don't see the talent level. I know they like not only is Lane Kiffin losing the best quarterback in, in school history after the best regular season in school history, but he lost both of his coordinators in particular, DJ Durkin, who was responsible for the turnaround on defense. Like, I just don't see the horses. I don't see the talent. I don't see the depth. I don't see mm-hmm. the quarterback play. Like, I don't, I, I think the offense carries them to like six or seven wins, but I don't, seven and five is like best case scenario for me for Ole Miss. And I just, maybe I'm dead wrong about this and I need to apologize to all Hottie Toddy Nation, but like, I just don't, I'm trying my damnedest to see it and I don't see it. So I, I actually like Auburn and how they're built more than Ole Miss. If if it wasn't the Auburn, you know, booster Parson thing, I'd probably pick him. I think I kind of I mean, I kind of like Auburn at six, Ole Miss at seven, honestly. Really? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, it's because it's hard, I think, sometimes for us to get off pedestals or people to get off pedestals of certain teams or having them in a certain light to, based on how they had done the year prior, what kind of star players they have. But it does feel like we're ignoring some critical facts if you really think that Ole Miss isn't going to miss a beat because there right. are some serious, serious losses. Like you just mentioned, I wouldn't even talk about the coaching staff losses, right. um, but just on the roster. So I'm with you. Interesting. Yeah. Um, all right. Any other questions about the, the hmm. order? Again, here's what I would say just to get people fired up for a second, because we've done a lot of like blathering here already. I, I left this event largely exhausted and hung over like every single SEC media days, but 
I could not be more excited about the season. What makes the, you the most excited? So two things. Okay. And one of the one one of which we've we've said a long time on the show, which is that the that this this league is healthier than it's ever been. There are more good coaches with more good teams in better situations with good quarterbacks than we've ever seen in this conference ever before in my lifetime. And number two, and Andy Staples pointed this out. So if you want to, uh, to go a little deeper, go go listen to the episode last week with him. And that is we've we've never known less about these teams at this stage of the offseason because of portal, because of transfers, because of NIL, because of pandemic, because of all the breaking news. We haven't spent all offseason arguing about Arkansas versus Mississippi State schedule. Like we just we know less about these teams. And to me, that creates unknowns and things that you can miss about projections. And so you package that with, I think, a really good collection of teams. And I think we are going to have we're going to have like a bloodbath every Saturday. And it's just mm-hmm. going to be it's just going to be great. Like, I can't wait for it. And I just every single weekend, there's going to be three really good football games, in my opinion. And that makes for a very exciting season for me personally. Yep. The unknowns. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And it, it, there are a lot of factors that we just haven't, you know, we definitely haven't seen this many different factors and changes play out at the same time in the preseason. So I'm sure it makes, um, makes the media's job a little bit tougher, but, yep. um, but it's fun. It's fun to be wrong. Cool. Yeah. I, I like, I Ole Miss you're seventh. Wouldn't, what if they finished third? That'd be great. I, who way cares? better, I, way better wrong than board. It's so much. Yes. I would wait. I would, that is a thousand, put it on a shirt. Allegedly, allegedly is our first shirt. <laughs> and the second shirt. Better to the, be wrong than board. Better to be wrong than board. That is great. That is well, tremendous. We'll make that happen. Let's get some shirts out there, folks. Um, <laughs> all right. So that's the order of finish there. And again, cannot wait to just see uh, you throw Texas A&M, Arkansas, Ole Miss, LSU, Mississippi State, Auburn, Kentucky, Tennessee, Florida, South Carolina in a blender. And it's just total chaos. I can't wait. Can't yep. wait. It's very nice to see these like bottom, the bottoms of the division. Like we talked about how there's a lot of times three, at least three very distinct categories and sometimes even four with like it just being like just Vanderbilt at the bottom or just Missouri and Vanderbilt. And now it's just like top contender, definitely not. And then everything else is just, we don't know. To be fair, I've also never seen the division races specifically look more boring. (laughs) Because Alabama and Georgia are going to win, and there's a good chance they are combined 24 and 0 playing in Atlanta. I, I don't know if I'm picking either one of them to lose a game in the regular season really? until they play each other again. I think they're going. I think they're going to play twice. I think they're going to play in the SEC title game, and you know, I, I think actually Bama beats them twice this year. Whether that's in the playoff or the national championship game, I don't know, but I think Bama beats them twice. Outside of those two teams, which are incredibly boringly good, and I think Alabama is going to murder people. I, I think it's outside of that. It's awesome. It's awesome. Can't wait for the for the Tennessee and Arkansas fans. What would it take for those two teams to push into the number two spot, like on the field? I I don't think I mean, the argument quarterbacks pop pop up, but the argument for Arkansas is that they already beat A and M last year by lining up and punching them in the mouth, mm. just straight up beat them. It wasn't like fluky. It wasn't like a goal line fumble or whatever, like Arkansas just whipped that ass. And so I think that's an easy argument. They're just better. They're just better than Texas A&M and they beat them in a weird game. And the defensive front seven for Arkansas is, is really good. And, and all the new pieces fit really well together. 
Um, and that's that to me is a super easy argument. And frankly, it's it's easy for Tennessee ar- as argument as well, which is beat Kentucky at home, which they've done routinely, even with Jeremy Pruitt, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, um, and and then they win a bunch of their swing games, like they beat South Carolina on the road, they beat Florida for the first time, you know, second time in like twenty years. And then even if they lose at LSU, nine and three is still probably good enough for second place. So again, the arguments are not hard to make for these teams. Right. So. Um, speaking of total chaos, all right, we'll wrap up on this. Uh, special thanks to J.E. Dunn, of course, for providing all of the wonderful and amazing SEC Media Days content. Go check them out, jedunn.com. Check out all the content on the YouTube page, etc., etc. Rate, review, subscribe, all yep, that good subscribe. stuff. Subscribe. Yep. Uh, yeah, subscribe, please. Um, it matters please. to us at 440 Sports there on the uh, or just 440 Sports on the YouTube page. Mm-hmm. Um, 18 level one violations <laughs> for Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, his wife is like the bag man, which is like, uh, and she here, worked in here. like com- she worked in compliance multiple times. <laughs> it's so good. It's so I good. mean, it's like I'd love to know how that went down, because if he is asking for a favor, like your wife's done enough by moving all around everywhere. That's all coaches wives do. But maybe she loves it. Maybe she likes the maybe well, she likes the, the there, things that's electric. Let's just say there are a lot of rumors about why the Pruitts, who I believe they met at Florida State when she was in compliance, there there's lots of rumors that are, you know, unfounded or not provable, allegedly, 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 that the movement to Athens was uh, per request of the misses. Um, we'll just let I'll just leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> very responsible journalism of me. <laughs> yeah, very. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. And. Uh, but again, like she's the bag man in the story, $60,000 in cash. And there's a lot of different angles to this. Number one, I think national media are missing the mark on like sort of using these allegations. Like I think five or 10 years ago, you could say, look at how dirty this program is. It was totally lost and blah, blah, blah. You know, like I don't like none of this stuff is illegal now. You can pay players. I don't think we have the moral outrage at coaches dropping cash for uh, you know a medical procedure for a player's mom like it just doesn't i don't think right. it hits i don't think it hits as hard as it used to and i think the national media is trying to like use this as some sort of um see we told you so about shiano and i would argue the i told you so already happened yeah because you had three years of fulmer and pruitt that were fucking awful <laughs> yes so so like you already kind of I think I think Shiano stuff has been settled. Like I don't even think that's a debate anymore. The national media, which has a very contentious relationship with Tennessee fans, that mm-hmm. that is never going to end because Tennessee fans treat them like shit, and so the media members write bad columns, and now we're in this Ouroboros of like disrespect, and we never can just like drop it and move on like adults. But I don't know. So I mean, you you are right in saying that. I don't know if it. I would be interested to see if it actually affects the outcome of everything. But since a lot of this stuff, you have to imagine that the whole aura around this has lessened. So will that have a direct correlation with what yeah. happens? Like I, I'd say probably, and, even and though ten- it happened before it yes. was legal. And Tennessee said they, they self-imposed. They cooperated completely with the, with the investigation, which are two really good uh, examples of why you shouldn't lie to the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Hugh, Hugh, okay, you got me, Hugh. Um, and I think also like we've the NCAA new rules on how they punish people. They're trying not to punish the current players for like past coaches' deeds. So like the All bowl, ba- 
like the bull bands probably it's going to be just a big giant check and maybe some recruiting sanctions and that doesn't really hurt the program all that much like i just think we, we've evolved beyond the hand wringing like mm-hmm. i just we're just sort of i don't know like pruitt was a pruitt was you know, like a 12 year old child and he was running a multi-million dollar football program like a 12 year old child would and was completely, you know, unprepared for it. Philip Bulmer was completely unqualified for the AD job and it showed like, I don't, I don't, I'm just not sure what, I'm not sure what's, what are we supposed to learn from these allegations? Like, I just don't know what's there, you know? I don't well, know. that's the thing. That's the other thing that kind of goes along with what we we're saying, but it's, a lot of those, a lot of times when we when we have seen schools get in trouble in the past, they're also trying to make an example out of that school to show the other schools like this is what happens when you disobey the rules. Right. And saying it's on, along the same front of saying that it's now legal, but there's no one you're like you don't have to show anyone what happens when you do it because right. it's not against the rules. <laughs> and and if you are a Tennessee fan, you're saying we cut the cancer out a year ago. Yeah. Like. Correct. Now now I would say you you know. You saved a bunch of money and you quote unquote did the right thing by firing Pruitt with cause and removing Fulmer, who, by the way, walks away with a large paycheck and no punishment whatsoever. Yep. Um, Like, I, I realize it's probably selectively doing the right thing because it benefited you at the time. Yes. To 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 because you were trying to not pay Jeremy Pruitt. But let's be honest here. All of this happened. Shiano thing happened. It was clearly a disaster. It was clearly terrible decision making. It was clearly selective moral outrage led by a grifter in this city, by the way. And I just like, it's settled business to me. They have a better, they got a better chancellor, a better AD and a better coach and saved money and quote unquote, did the right thing all in this process. I'm not sure what else there is to talk about. Like, I think sometimes teams do get lucky on saving money. And when it, when it, when it lines up, when it lines up, isn't that nice when that happens? Hey, when, when doing the right thing lines up with your best financial interests, then we have movement in Congress. <laughs> correct. That would be correct. But only when that happens. Uh-huh. <laughs> Does the right thing match up with your own priorities? Yeah. Um, but again, Tennessee's better off right now. Here's the question. Here's what I find interesting. The two major questions. Where did he learn how to do all this? <laughs> As a former saving assistant. Um, that's an interesting question. I think it's yeah. kind of silly to ask it, but I think it's fun. So I don't know. Um, There's that. Because clearly he didn't. Le- if he did learn, he didn't learn very well. <laughs> well, you only mentioned Saban, but you didn't. You didn't think about Smart and and Jimbo <laughs> and Jimbo. So, so eh. who does for, it best? Who, for, who wore yeah, it best? He worked for Mark Richt as well. Um, I and the other. See now, I forgot the other question. Joking about Jeremy Pruitt because it's just such an easy target. He's just so fun to joke joke about mm-hmm. Jeremy Pruitt. Um, I believe dim is the word, a dim bulb. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're talking about Pat. <laughs> was 40s, 40s comment, which I believe is accurate. Um, Let's see. Uh, what was I going to say? I totally I forgot what know. I was going to say about, about the, the, the whole the whole ordeal. Um, anyway, uh, Tennessee allegations. Oh, oh yeah. I, now I got it. <laughs> this is great podcasting. Um, <laughs> like, was it worth it? Like, this is my only question about the Shiano thing. Was it worth it to have the three awful years and the negative publicity and press and the struggling and the allegations and the financial ramifications and all this stuff 
was it worth it to get where they are today? And I don't know. I don't think you can answer that question until you know how Josh Heupel's career turns out. Yeah. Like if he wins East championships and they are back competing for the national title in the playoff, then Shiano Sunday, you could argue would have been quote unquote worth it because it led us to this point. If they can do that by when I, I, again, I don't think you can judge it until his career is done. Yeah. Because all Josh and Dondi Plowman, the chancellor and Danny White, the AD have done is cut the cancer out. They haven't actually rebuilt the thing yet. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yep. Like you got to get to the national championship level. You got to be at Georgia's level to argue that it was worth it all this time. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know. Did you feel like I, I didn't. Um, and then where did the Sandusky thing come into? Well, that was Shia- so that was Shiano. And oh, because he's talking about Shiano. It was yep. again. It was a grifter playing his little flute for the Twitter mob to go act like a bunch of assholes and drag a man's name through the mud. And again, to those to those people out there that think this was just some don't take it so seriously. It's just a football game. No, I would like you to think about being accused of covering up child sexual assault and your reputation being accused of that. And then tell me it's just about a game. Yeah, that's what I'd like people to think about. No, in this, I in think this process. That's, that's a little much. So select again, selective moral outrage <laughs> when Tennessee fans conveniently didn't like the coaching hire conveniently found something to be morally outraged about. We can't have this person leading our program. Finger wag, finger wag. Yeah, that was a little bit too extremist of an approach, I think. What are you going to do? We all know whose fault it was. It's fine. Okay, um, Aaron, where can the good people find you and what should they do on the YouTube page? Subscribe to the YouTube page. That helps us out probably more than, well, more than a lot of things. And then um, I am Aaron underscore Dugan on Instagram and the Aaron Dugan on Twitter. My name is Braden Gall. You can get to me on Twitter at Braden Gall at 440 Sports across all the platforms. And of course, Aaron Dugan live from the Cast Collective Studio. So if you want to book Thank a space you. in Nashville, check out the Cast Collective. If you want a small event, business gathering, family gathering, you name it, Aaron's got you covered. Uh, also, if you want to shoot any videos, podcasts, podcasts, you know, yeah. You know, if I want to get married a second time, I could, in theory, do it there at the you Cast could. Collective. We've got a couple weddings coming up, actually. Never, I will never get married again. It's never going to happen. I did it the one time. I'm good. Uh, Otherwise, thank you guys all for hanging out with us. Thanks to Jay Dunn for giving us a chance at SEC Media Days. Had a blast down there with everybody. Cannot wait for football to be here. we got a lot of fun stuff planned for you all, so stay tuned. For Aaron, I'm Braden. Thanks for hanging out. This has been Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. Later. Later.